I um, love having this moment with the boys and girls, but let's be honest, today it meant a little something more. Just seeing them here after the events of this past week, that's been a heavy thing this week. Been a number of heavy things this past week. Just seeing some of those pictures. I got a little girl that looks like those little children, right? So a lot of us have had heavy hearts about news stories this week, or maybe heavy hearts about things going on in your life, in your world, news that's come to you or to your family, things you've been going through, things that you've been dealing with. It's been a heavy week probably for a lot of you, a week that kind of results in sometimes us asking questions that go like this, do I really believe that God is God? Do I really believe that God has this? Do I really believe that he's in control? Do I really believe that he has a plan and a purpose? Do I really believe that he's sovereign? That's a big churchy word that just simply means God is sovereign. He is ruling. He is reigning. He is presiding. He is controlling everything. Do I really believe that with all of my heart? We've been looking at the story of Joseph, and and indeed, there's a greater story in the story of Joseph, just like there's a greater story within my story and a greater story within your story, the story that points to the Lord Jesus. But today, I want to take a little longer look at Joseph. Today, I want to be a little bit different as we deal with Joseph than we've been in the last couple of weeks. I don't want to simply look through him to Jesus, but I want to look to him today Because where we are in the story of Joseph today, I think that we'll see that he has something to show us, to teach us about what it means to really believe that God is sovereign in the middle of those hard moments, in the middle of those hard days. Think about it. Joseph went from being favored to a pit, to sold as a slave. He rose in the ranks, had a pretty sweet job. Then he's framed for a crime he didn't commit. And then he's into prison. And and through all of that, he never, it seems, at least according to Scripture, he never stopped believing that God is God. He never stopped believing that God is in control. He never stopped believing that God is sovereign. He is ruling. He is reigning. He is presiding over all of this. He has the plan that he is working out for his glory and for my good. Joseph was sold as a slave, but he was sold out to the truth that God is sovereign. Joseph was enslaved, but he was encouraged by the truth that God is sovereign. Joseph was lied about, but he relied on the truth that God is sovereign, that God is in control. And what I'm learning is every day, I've got to make that decision again. Sometimes multiple moments throughout the day, I got to make that decision again. Do I really believe it? Do I really believe that God is God? Do I really believe that he's in control? Do I really believe that God is working all things together for his glory and for my good? So let's look at Joseph today, and I'm going to give you six bullet points for you note takers. Just go ahead and kind of space out your stuff right there, all right? But six bullet points, and here's the first one. He's framed, but he's not forsaken. He's framed, but he's not forsaken because Joseph believed that God is sovereign. 
He's framed, but not forsaken. He knew that because he believed God is sovereign. Last week in Genesis 39, we watched Potiphar's wife frame Joseph for a crime that he didn't commit. Let's just review. 39.20 says, so he took Joseph, that's Potiphar's husband, and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Watch this. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Joseph's life was filled with injustice, with betrayal, with heartbreak, with pain. But Joseph kept trusting God's in control. God is sovereign over all things. Joseph knew that he had been framed, but he knew that he had not been forgotten. Maybe here today, you need to be reminded of that. If you're a child of God, he's not forgotten you. Maybe it feels sometimes like everybody else has, but God has it. Maybe today up to this point, your life has kind of been similar to Joseph's. Maybe you've been picked on. Maybe you've been abused. Maybe you've been treated unfairly. Maybe you also have been betrayed. And I'm truly, truly sorry if that's been your experience. But I got to ask you today, what are you going to do with that? You can get bitter or you can get to believing. You can get to believing that God is God, that God is in control, that he has purposes and plans even in that. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that he's God? Do you believe that he's sovereign? Do you believe that he's working all things together for your good and for his glory? See, because Joseph believed that God is sovereign, he knew that he was framed, but not forsaken. Secondly, because Joseph believed that God is sovereign, he could be confined, but filled with compassion. Confined, but still filled with compassion. Look at chapter 40. Sometime later. Those are three short words in the Bible, but for Joseph, that had to be really long, right? At least felt like it sometime later. Still in that prison, right? Here's what happens. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials and he put them in the prison where Joseph was in the palace of the captain of the guard. They remained in prison for quite some time and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph who looked after them. Verse five, while they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night. And let me just pause and tell you, you're going to see a lot of dreams today. Let me remind you that uh, God in the Old Testament often spoke through dreams. You know why? They didn't have a Bible. Wasn't written yet. All right. God speaks to us out of his word now, not our dreams. So understand that. So they had this dream and each dream had its own meeting. Verse six, when Joseph saw them the next morning, this is important. He noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today? He asked him. Get this. He's been confined in this prison, but he's still showing compassion to other people. How is that possible? Because he's still believing God's got this. I don't understand it, but God's God. There's a purpose. There's a plan. God's sovereign. He's ruling. He's reigning. He's presiding over all things. He's showing compassion in the middle of his confinement. 
You know, it's easy when we feel like we've not been treated well. It's, it's easy when it feels like we've gotten the short end of the stick to kind of get jaded, to kind of become hardened, to kind of begin to not notice other people anymore and not stop and pause to show compassion or concern or care. Instead, sometimes we just lash out and hurt other people. It's been said that hurting people hurt people. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. But Joseph, people had hurt him, but he kept believing God, that God had a plan, that God was ruling over it and through it. Joseph's heart didn't get cold. He remained compassionate and kind. He asked them, what's wrong? Verse 8, and they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Watch this. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. I love that. After all these years in the prison, Joseph is still believing God. He's still believing that God is God and that God is sovereign over everything, even these dreams. He said, this is God's business and I have a connection to him. So why don't you tell me what the dreams are? Verse nine, so the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup, and then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cup bearer. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastry stacked on my head. Aren't dreams weird? The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. This is what the dream means, Joseph told him. The three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. If you've never read this before, you just went, whoa. He didn't see that coming. Then the birds are going to come and peck away at your flesh. Sweet dreams. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. Listen, because Joseph believed that God is sovereign, he was framed. He knew he was framed, but not forsaken. Because he believed that God is sovereign, he could be confined, but filled with compassion. Number three, because Joseph believed that God is sovereign, he could be forgotten, but full of faith. Joseph asked that cupbearer, did he not? Hey, when you get out of here, remember me. Put a word in for me. I'm not supposed to be here. Help a brother out. Look at chapter 40, verse 23. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, 
forgot all about Joseph. Never given him another thought. You got to be kidding. I mean, this is the guy that interpreted your dream and gave you the good news. How do you just forget him? But he forgot him. And then chapter 41, verse 1 says, two full years later. Two years. Two years on top of all the time that he's already served. For two years, Joseph has been totally forgotten. The world has just marched on without a thought of him whatsoever. But he never stopped believing. He never stopped trusting that God's God, that God's in control, that even in this, even though I'm forgotten, I know God is sovereign. I'll show you where you see that kind of faith. Look at it. Verse 1 of chapter 41, a lot of reading. Hold on. Two full years later, Pharaoh, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. In his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. And then he saw seven more cows come up behind them from the Nile, but these were scrawny and thin. These cows stood beside the fat cows on the river bank. Then the scrawny, thin cows ate the seven healthy, fat cows. At this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up, but he fell asleep again, had a second dream. This time he saw seven heads of grain, plump and beautiful, growing on a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared, but these were shriveled and withered by the east wind. And these thin heads swallowed up the seven plump, well-formed heads. Then Pharaoh woke up again and realized it was a dream. The next morning, Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dream. So he called for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. When Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell him what they meant. Finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Well, thank you very much. A full two years has gone by. And now he remembers. He says, today I have been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. Some time ago, you were angry with the chief baker and me, and you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night, the chief baker and I each had a dream, and each dream had its own meaning. There was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he told us what each of our dreams meant. And everything happened just as he had predicted. I was restored to my position as cupbearer, and the chief baker was executed and impaled on a pole. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in, and he stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night and no one here can tell me what it means, but I've heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Listen, all this time, Joseph has been forgotten, but he knows he's not been forsaken. Confined, but full of compassion. Forgotten, but full of faith. For two years, he's been forgotten. And then Pharaoh comes knocking. And what does Joseph do? Does he take this as an opportunity to toot his own horn? No. Look at verse 16. He says, it is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God can. But God can. Think about that. He had been forgotten this whole time, but he's still full of faith. He's still believing in spite of all this that's going on, that God is God, that God is in control, that God is sovereign, that God is ruling and reigning and controlling all things. He says, God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. His faith hasn't even cracked. Verse 17, so Pharaoh told Joseph his dream. We won't tell the dream again. You've already heard it. Skip down to verse 25. 
Joseph responded. Both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God, I underline that, by the way. He's still believing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. This will happen just as I have described it. Why? Because God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. Do you hear the faith? He's been forgotten, but he's still full of faith. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt. But afterward, there will be seven years of famine, so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God and he will soon make them happen. Joseph says to Pharaoh, because you had two dreams, that's significant. Clearly, it's from the Lord, and it means it's going to happen soon. Can you remember how many dreams Joseph had about his family bowing down to him, by the way? Two. I don't think he's ever forgotten from the day God gave him those dreams that God's going to do it. I don't know what it means. I don't know how it's going to happen, but he kept believing that God is God that God is unstoppable, that God is in control, that God is sovereign, that God is ruling and reigning and presiding over all things, controlling all things, framed, confined, and forgotten. But his faith is full. Because Joseph believed that God is sovereign, what have we said? He knew he was framed, but but not forsaken. Because he believed that God is sovereign, he could be confined and filled with compassion. Because he believed that God is sovereign, he could be forgotten, but full of faith. Number four, because he believed that God is sovereign, he could be beat down, but bold. Joseph is only 30 years old, but man, he's been beat down. It's a rough life. Tough family, picked on, dysfunctional family, abused, abandoned, sold into slavery. Spent the prime years of his life in prison for a crime he didn't commit. His teens and his 20s have been horrible, horrific years that he can't get back. Listen to what the psalmist says about Joseph. I don't know if you ever read this psalm. Psalm 105, beginning in verse 17, says of God that he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Verse 18, they bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. He's been beaten down, but you're about to see he remains bold because he believes God's God, God's sovereign, God's in control. He's staring here at the king of Egypt, at Pharaoh, and watch the boldness come out of him. Verse 33, therefore, Pharaoh, this is what he says to Pharaoh, therefore, here's what the dream means. So therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and a wise man, and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. He's given step-by-step instructions to the Pharaoh. This is a 30-year-old prisoner, and he's laying out the game plan to how to save your country. And 
also you're going to save the world. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses, store it away and guard it so there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough food to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. That's bold. He's standing there beaten down, but bold as a lion before Pharaoh. Why? Because he believes with all of his heart, God is doing something. And he's been doing something this whole time. And God's God and he's in control and God is sovereign. He's ruling and he's reigning and he's presiding over all of this. Listen, when you know God is sovereign and God gives the swing away sign, you swing for the fence. And God's given him the sign, swing away. And he steps up face to face with Pharaoh and that's what he's doing. He's going for it all. Why? Because he believes. Because God's sovereign, he knew he was framed but not forsaken. He could be confined but filled with compassion, forgotten but full of faith, beat down but bold, number five. Fettered, fettered but full of the Spirit. Verse 37, Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials, so Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man? So obviously filled with the Spirit of God. A pagan king could recognize the spirit of God in Joseph. Now, there's a theological conversation about the role of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. That's for another day, not for this day. But I want you to see that Pharaoh says, this is a man like no other. He's a man that's filled with the spirit of God. Listen, the pit didn't take that away. Being sold as a slave didn't take that away. Being framed didn't take that away. All the pain, the prison didn't take that away. God was with Joseph every step of the way, every moment of the journey, and he knew it. He knew it. He believed it. He was confident in his God. He kept believing that God was with him and God was sovereignly ruling and reigning over every area of his life. And that brings us to the sixth bullet point for you this morning. It's just simply this one. Finally, Joseph is free. He's free. First of all, he's free from the pit. Look at verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on my throne will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and he placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. And then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. God did it. God did it. He's 30 years old and his ministry is just beginning. Remind you of anybody? There's a greater story all over this story. Not only is Joseph free now from the pit, but I want you to see he's free from his past. You can get out of the pit, but still be chained to the past. But God did a work in his life. 
Joseph gets married. He settles down. Verse 51 says, Joseph named his older son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. God set me free from the past. He named his son. God has made me forget. That's not literally what God did. God didn't take that little thing from men in black and scan his brain and erase his memory. But what God did is in his grace and his love and his mercy, he unchained Joseph from the pain of the past. He's walking in freedom. He's walking in forgiveness. It no longer haunts him. The pain, the past no longer haunts him, no longer controls him. Maybe today you're here and you're still chained to some pain, still chained to the past. God is God, and he stands ready to set you free today to help you forget. Oh, you'll never forget, but you'll be free. Joseph is free from the pit, and he's free from his past, and then he's free to pursue the future. He has another son, and I think the name of the second son is significant too. He names his second son, God has made me fruitful. Verse 52, he named the second Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Two boys, both names testify to the fact that God's God. God's still working. God's still moving. God had a plan. And Joseph never stopped believing that. He never stopped believing that God was God, that God was in control. He never stopped believing that God was sovereignly working everything for his good and for God's glory. Now, I just wonder this morning, as I look across this room, who's been going through a set of circumstances in your life? that has you to the point today that you find yourself looking up to the heavens and asking some hard questions, that most of which begin with the word why. Why? Most of us probably asked some questions like that across this past week. And I don't have answers to those questions. But I am telling you today, if you're a child of God, he's with you. He will not leave you. No matter how dire the circumstances may become, he's not going anywhere. He's not backing up. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And he is sovereignly presiding over your life, every part, every piece, every detail of it. I know, I know that life is gonna be hard. We're all gonna be there. But listen, maybe this morning is the day that you gotta stick a foot in the ground and you gotta stand on faith and you gotta say, God, I don't understand it, but I believe that you're God. I believe that you're good and I believe that you're in control 
I believe that you're sovereign. You're ruling and reigning over all things. And so God, here I stand before you, believing, trusting that this is who you are. God, I pray for those who today find themselves with those hard questions, crying out to you. God, I pray that today by your grace, we would stand firm in our belief and our faith that God, you are God. You are who your word declares that you are. You are sovereign God, ruling and reigning over all things. Joseph's journey wasn't easy. We have the benefit of looking at it in hindsight, but he didn't know that in real time. One day, somebody's gonna look at our story in hindsight, but it's not easy right now in real time. But God, would you help us to keep believing? With heads bowed and with eyes closed, I just wanna ask you, if you're here today, and like, I think it was Peter that said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe, maybe you're going, hey, with my head, I believe it. But man, my heart's struggling, Pastor. And I want to believe. I want to stick a foot in the ground today and stand on faith that God's God. That he's got me and he's got this and I want to trust him with all my heart. I can't keep leaning on my own understanding. My faith's got to be all in today. If that's where you are, I'm going to ask you to do something kind of crazy. Would you just stand in this room, wherever you are, just in front of God and everybody and say, that's me, pastor. Amen. Come on. Amen. There you go. Come on. Just stand before the Lord and say, God, here I am. I need you. I believe, but help my unbelief. God, you see our hearts. You see those that are standing. You see those that are standing in their heart right now before you. Some may not even have the strength to stand to their feet right now. But God, we're crying out to you today, believing that you are God and you are good. And we put our trust in you today, Lord. Deliver us from the darkness. The circumstances may not change, but may your light shine brilliantly in our hearts and our minds and through our lives today. That the Pharaohs around us would say, I see God in that person. After all they've been through, I see God in them. May it be so, God. 